0: I'm back on the ridge walk today. I'm hoping this recording's gonna work okay. Uh, I did a full podcast recording a few days ago and, uh, and when I finished, I found that the, the recording was zero seconds in length. So, <laughs> So hopefully this is working okay. If you're hearing this, it's working. So there's been a bit of a change of pace in lockdown and life, really. Been making some strides with uh, admin type activities for a family member and also to a lesser extent for myself so it just feels generally like a period of productivity and removing blockages and uh, I do feel quite energised so that's great and quite positive. had an idea for a talk buzzing around my head for a little while and in some ways it's quite difficult because it's something which is easily misunderstood and also maybe it's something I'm I'm kind of working on Uh, but I'll talk about it and that is meaning I think meaning is something that we as human beings are, well we have a tendency to, to grasp after we really want, we really want our lives to be meaningful we want our work to have meaning and there's also an aspect of that which is to do with the kind of narrative that we have of our lives, which is that we ascribe meaning, good and bad, to things that happen to us and things that we do, our triumphs and disasters, our relationships, there are entire books very good books apparently (laughs) there's a book called Man's Search for Meaning by I think it's Viktor Frankl which is a book that I've seen recommended many times and I I've been holding off reading it maybe it's time to read it and I suppose what I'm wanting to talk about is this distinction between a kind of personal meaning or a small meaning it's very difficult to put into words if I can borrow over a Master Daishin's words maybe I mean a distinction between primary meaning and secondary meaning and I think again there are so many areas like this where because because there's an aspect of meaning which is actually incredibly true and useful and powerful and very much real it's sometimes difficult to distinguish aspects of meaning which actually are kind of shadows of that or feel or seem like they have the same nature as that but actually they're much more about, in a sense, jumping to conclusions, which I think is a, is a very different path to meaning. I think in the context of Buddhism, as I've mentioned in quite a lot of these talks, Meaning isn't really something that we ascribe to or give to things. Except in a kind of trivial way, I suppose. In that, you know, road signs have a certain technical meaning. And words in different languages have a a certain meaning. That's almost an academic approach, important though it is. It's a kind of technical, linguistic or symbolic meaning. The meaning that I'm talking about really is a deeper thing. It's almost a, it's almost that things speak to us without words. And again, it's one of those things which, because it's without words, it's difficult to talk about, but I think we all recognise it. And I think, looking back, I've been paying attention, I suppose, to conclusions that I drew about myself in the past. And I realised that I've been, particularly when I was a kid, I sort of characterised myself in various ways, very often in negative ways, ways that meant I was lacking in something. Partly because actually at that time, in various contexts, various circumstances, I was with people who, actually wanted other people to feel bad about themselves. And, uh, and I kind of obliged. Thankfully, there was a little piece of myself that never gave up on myself, and then recognized, again, without words, that what was being said and done, both by others and by me, were not really the truth but I do realise that those those thoughts and conclusions have have their effect and they have limited me uh, not that they had to pardon me on this slope by the way I'm puffing away Just, you're probably used to this by now Here comes the squeaky gate. There we go. Just through into... Just getting hung up on things. Big bramble patch. Just heading onto the really steep part. Of the walk up on the ridge, or up, up, to, um, up to the ridge, and yeah, so these, these, these meanings—you know, this happened, which means that, and I failed at this, which means something else, or. I did well at this, which means I'm this kind of person. Or even this makes sense to me. So the truth seems to go in this direction. None of those things are necessarily bad. but I think it's really important to moderate that and in some cases there's an awful lot of moderation that's needed in other cases there's a little a little course correction looking back to it I can see that there was almost a a loss of innocence wrapped up with that. No longer seeing things just as they were, but forming a conclusion and then carrying that conclusion around. it's a it's really good to remember that very often the times when we we form these ideas are times when we are vulnerable and times when we don't really see the real context we don't really understand what's happening and we also don't see the the error in other people so easily. Uh, as children I think we very strongly assume correctness in others. And a big part of our development during childhood is, is obviously to soak up culture, soak up knowledge, soak, soak up skills, like reading, writing. and we really are finding out what it is to be a human being in my example is in England i was born in the mid 60s out in the, out in the Chilterns in Buckinghamshire I had a relatively, in terms of sort of worldliness, I had a relatively sheltered upbringing. In some ways, very sheltered. So I had my, my milieu, if that's the right word, my environment, my culture around me. And like everybody else, I try to make sense of it all live within it as a a functioning member and it's quite interesting again how that is a real mixture and yet really necessary most of it's great I really value the in a sense the culture that was handed to me by my family by my teachers Things that get into your your bones in a way, and are very deeply positive. And at the same time, there are certain things which were which were less positive. And again, people had different motivations, which aren't always clear at the time. In fact, very often are not clear when you're a child, and they can lead to a great deal of questioning and doubt. One of the amazing things, really, about meditation and Buddhist practice is that there's a way of, or it has a way of loosening these things up, of... It's really hard to describe. It's almost like it's the kindest way but there's never, there doesn't seem to be any insistence at all nothing says you are wrong but it's almost like I suppose when we give up everything in meditation part of what we're giving up is very much these conclusions, these ideas even if it's just for 20 minutes or half an hour, we find we sit in the practice of not putting energy in, either positive energy in terms of reinforcing any of these conclusions or negative energy in terms of trying to wiggle out of them and deny them and say no to them. I think sometimes there's a value in just saying no to stuff like that, but I think it's one of the aspects about being caught in the opposite. It's, it's easy to ultimately get involved in, in arguments with ourselves about this, all these things. Things being true, things being untrue. And Dogen is really clear about it in the rules for meditation. But it's not about argumentation, understanding interestingly, memory is in there as well and of course a lot of these things live in memory but sometimes we're so used to them they seem almost like parts of our body that we carry with us but actually I think there is an element of constantly refreshed memory and I think that's part of part of why meditation is so healing in this way very indirect in the sense that we're not necessarily going in and analysing but it almost gets to the root of why we would want to do that why we we want analysis say, why we want counselling, why we want to get to the root of all this and I think it's Put it in a very crude way, it's peace of mind. Another way of describing that is not being disturbed in a damaging, harmful way by the things which are going on in our own mind. Because when I look at my life, I've been very lucky. Unlike a very large proportion of all of the people who've lived before me, I haven't been involved in any great conflict in terms of war. I haven't had to deal with any invasion or immediate threat. There's been some background things, obviously. I think most of us deal with a background threat of terrorism, but in terms of things which have actually happened to me personally, I've very seldom been in in positions of imminent deliberate danger, if you like. And yet, if you were to say to me, "Have you had a, have you had an easy time? Has it been, has it been a calm, peaceful existence?" I would say, "No. <laughs> it's been. You know, I've had my, I've had my difficulties to deal with, and sometimes they seemed really, really hard, really difficult. Sometimes they've seemed bigger than I could deal with." So it seems pretty clear, and I recognise that I'm a very lucky person, a very privileged person to use a possibly overused word these days but i'm a very I'm a very lucky person to to be able to say that because I know that not very far from where I am people are living in in you know, a few hundred miles people are living in precarious situations, and a bit further than that they're they're actually living in war. Looking at my looking at my situation, it's pretty clear that a great deal, if not if not nearly all, certainly in my adult life, of the difficulties that I've had have actually been what you might call an unpeaceful mind. And I realised that I've done, I've done a great deal. I've done a lot of work. I've kept, I've kept body and soul together. I've paid rent. I've, I've done what I needed to do to survive and in some ways thrive. I've been very lucky and it's been a fascinating journey so far. So again it seems to some extent clear that an awful lot of the difficulty that I've had seems to be in addition to the the effort that I needed to put in. So again this this realization or this understanding that in fact peace of mind is so important it's so well the Buddha says I, I had a quick look at um, the beginning of the Pada, which is a very early uh, or a collection of, the, of the very early teachings of the Buddha very short and pithy and it's so clear he makes it so clear the importance of the mind in terms of determining our state so to bring it back to meaning I think it's it's not necessarily something which is recognised as a an effective meditation, but there is a kind of cleansing, and it, it's a cleansing of meaning. That's one way of putting it. And just as I in my life have found motivation and kept going and done what I needed to do. Almost in spite of, maybe exactly in spite of, this burden of meaning that I've been carrying around. To me, it does point to this primary and secondary aspect of meaning. And if we can root ourselves in primary meaning, which isn't necessarily even a verbal thing, it's more knowing, then maybe we can put less energy into the secondary meanings and find more energy for doing the right thing So I think that's probably what I wanted to say about that. So I'll carry on with my walk. And wherever you are, I hope you have a great day. And stay well.